This is the Prosperous Family Podcast, where we explore creative ways of prospering mentally, emotionally, socially, physically, financially, and spiritually. So pull out your notepads, put on your thinking caps, and be open to new ways of approaching your day-to-day life, new ways of creating prosperity, happiness, joy, peace in your life and in the lives of your family members. Welcome to Prosperous Family Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Prosperous Family Podcast. I am your host, Marianne Hobson, and I am joined today by Linda Letterman, with Bella Busta's Secret. Linda, welcome. So glad to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Marvelous. So Linda, as as you may know, we always like to start the podcast by learning a little bit about you and your family. Tell us about them. Absolutely. I have two kids, a daughter who is a senior in high school who is now looking into colleges. So it's very exciting for her. And I have a son who is a junior in college. He's a, um, an athlete he's on the wrestling team and studying exercise science. And I have a husband of 20 mm, some odd years, <laughs> <laughs> two dogs who are equally part of the family, if not more so. And um, we live in a suburb uh, outside New York City. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, wh- which side of New York City? Because there's- uh, Westchester County. So okay. we're about an hour outside of the city. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great. And have you always lived in, in the Manhattan area? Uh, yes. I'm originally from Stanford, Connecticut. Okay. Um, went to law school in Syracuse, New York, so that was a ways away. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always um, come down to this part of the, the state. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wonderful. So you're, you're just about ready to be an empty nester. Sort of. They always come back. (laughs) Isn't that true? (laughs) That it's true, true, true. But is is, your daughter, is she ready to get out and excited? You know, um, interestingly enough, she's had a a rocky career in school, as many kids have, and COVID didn't help that situation. But interestingly enough, um, following in her mom's second career footpaths, she started studying culinary arts. She loves it. And so now she's looking for colleges that offer four-year programs in either culinary arts, hospitality management, something along those lines. Okay. One of my sons looked at culinary arts and it's a different career. And, and, yeah, you know, it, there's such a wide range of possibilities from community college to those four-year programs. Absolutely. And did he end up in culinary arts or some variation of it? No, he did not. It, that's a whole other story. We probably <laughs> don't need to podcast. But, you know, I learned something with each of my kids. Um, it, was, it was interesting how the conversation changed when we actually went to go visit the universities that they were thinking about mm-hmm. because for every single one of them it it completely changed their dynamic and they made different decisions than they would have made before we went to visit 
Oh, that's so interesting. So we're just starting. We've we've seen two schools, mm -hmm. but we're really the next four weeks. We're just like booked to look at a bunch of schools, and it's it's exciting. She's changed also her mind on what branch of something related to culinary arts she might be interested in. Yeah, but it's a process. Yeah. it's definitely a process. It is. It is. And 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 that's so great that you can be there to support her on that. It's very exciting. Yeah. Marvelous. So tell us a little bit about Bala Busta Secret, what it is, and the name, of course, intrigues me. I have this thing with names. There sure. has to be a story so, behind it. I'm going to I'll, um, tell you the background, and then I'll tell you what the, the name means, because then it'll all tie in and make some sense. Sure. So I was a lawyer before I was a kitchen confidence coach, and I was a partner, law firm, blah, 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 blah. I had my kids late in life. And uh, at that point, I thought it was important to spend my time with them. I had proven to myself what I wanted career goal wise, and it was really important for me to, to stay with them. Mm -hmm. And as they were growing older, meaning the young, young, young toddler years going up and up and up, they would have their friends over, we would have sleepovers, all that wonderful stuff. And on those evenings, I'd make dinner for everybody and her, their friends would say, my mom doesn't cook like this. We don't play games at the table. Mealtime is nothing like that at my house. Can you teach my mom to do this? <laughs> and out of the mouth of babes came a second career for me. And how that ties into a balabusta is, a balabusta is a very old fashioned Yiddish word that is really applicable today. And it means a woman who makes a fine home. And my mm. fine home is not a Martha Stewart home. It's the kind of home where everybody wants to be. You know, mm -hmm. they feel warm and welcomed. They come in, they put their feet up and don't yell at them. They don't need a coaster on the table all the time. And you just have fun and you're free to, to laugh. You're free to tell emotions. You're free to tell experiences and you're the go-to house. And I think as a human, that's really important. But I think as a parent, it's equally, if not more so important because you want to see who your kids are hanging out with, what they're about. You want to be that safe haven for them to come to. So all in all, that's my definition of a fine home. And so my business is teaching you the secrets on how to make that home your reality. Okay. So I, I love that. And <laughs> I have a, a very um, like pointed question if I can get there in a direct way. Um, the, so I don't know you very well, but there are certain people who have those abilities to help everyone feel loved and help everybody, you know, feel like, you know, welcomed and things like that and, and make that space available for them to be able to share emotions and things like that. Um, there are people who have that naturally and it comes easily to and then there are people who don't. So how do you work with those who don't just naturally have that innate ability? Absolutely, people have different skill sets, they have different experiences growing up, they have different experiences as an adult. And the way I approach my business and the way I approach working with people is I meet people where they are. I don't have, a one-size-fits-all program. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I have a let's find out what your lifestyle is and let's feel how we let's find out how we can make that lifestyle work to make this the kind of home that you want it to be. Mm. And so there are many, many things that you can do. And it's not always just teaching um, how to meal plan, how to prep, how to cook, which is a, a huge chunk of what I do. But I also have a big chunk of my business is teaching people how to have fun and games at the dinner table. You can extrapolate mm. that to having fun, games, conversation, warmth in your home. And there are many, many things that I I explain with my clients on what they can do to bring that warmth to really whatever they do in their home. Hmm. Okay. That where, where I go with that is what about what we have a society that tends to spread families out where they're not always geographically together. Do you have tricks and tips for people who have, you know, the empty nest situation or just trying to connect with family at, at a distance. Absolutely, you know, there's so much technology available to us that we didn't have before. And a good example of that is what happened to us during COVID. I had, at the time, my, my mother was still alive and she was in an assisted living home, but there was no visitation allowed. Mm-hmm. So holidays would come and go and holidays that we have spent our whole life together, we weren't allowed to do that. Um, she was not technologically inclined by any stretch of the imagination, as is true for people of an older generation. And mm-hmm. we contacted the assisted living facility and we said, can you send in an aide? We want to do a Zoom call with her and um, set it up for her. You know, and all she had to do is just talk. You know, she had a computer that she wasn't adept at, but she had one. And uh, she just had to talk. And we made sure that Everybody who was in a different location was on the same Zoom link, and we had our party. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. Obviously, you don't need the extreme of COVID to do it, but you can find either silly little holidays to celebrate um, or big events to celebrate to bring your family together. For instance, today of all days is International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Sounds like ridiculous. And I just did a post on my Facebook and my Instagram um, about it. And I and in it, I gave ways you can celebrate it and things you can talk about the table and things you can do at your table and things you can cook to be a pirate for one silly day. And you could do this, you know, call up a loved one who's not at your dinner table and say, do you know it's talk like a pirate day? Let's talk like a pirate day. And I got a couple of pirate jokes for you. You can bring warmth and love to wherever people are in so many easy ways, but it makes everybody feel extraordinary. Hmm. So how do you find out about those silly dates, like talk like a pirate date? Well, people can work with me. <laughs> I have to <laughs> those my clients all the time. <laughs> But, but I, I research, you know, I'm a lawyer by trade. Researching is in my blood. Um, so I do my homework. Hmm. Awesome. That's cool. I, I hadn't ever thought of it. Talk like a pirate day. I mean, that would be fun to have, but I didn't have any clue that it was every week. I mean, every year. Well, it's, not, it's not every week. It's once a year. September a year, 19th. Yeah. You know, or whatever, you know, day that it happens to be on. But, you know, you can celebrate it on an unofficial day and just declare today is National Talk Like a Pirate Day. 
and do something like that for your family. I mean, I'm not a tied to dates when it comes to doing fun things with my family, and especially if, if they're in different places. Like I said, my son's away at college, so we might not be at a, a birthday on the exact date of that birthday. So celebrate it another day. Celebrate my, my daughter when she was little in elementary school that did something for everybody who had a summer birthday. You know, because all the kids' parents bring in things for their birthdays and all the summer birthday kids left out. And so, yeah. so they did birthdays for a school year birthday and unbirthdays for everybody else. So on your six month from your birthday, if it wasn't during school, that would be your day in school. So you can do all kinds of things to create celebrations. Mhm, mm mhm. And and what about those people who are just like, get over it. I don't want to be involved and things like that. Do do your kids ever? Okay. I mean, if if you have this home that is always fun and things like that, do you ever have your children say, "Mom, this is enough"? Absolutely. So here's a great example of it. April is National Poetry Month. You could hear them groaning already. And one day this past April, I said to my kids and my husband, it's National Poetry Month. I have an assignment for all of you. Well, you know, that did not go over well. I said, listen, we always play games at the table and we do to the point where my kids say, what are we playing tonight? Which is a whole nother topic. But I said, it's, it's National Poetry Month. You have to bring a poem to dinner tonight. And I said, but think out of the box. It could be a traditional poem, but poems can be nursery rhymes. They could be songs, lyrics to a song. You could write a poem, do whatever you want, but you have to come to table, the table with a poem. Well, well, like I said, the reaction wasn't really stellar, but through the years, they've grown to trust me that if I'm planning something, it's going to work out. And they came to table with things like a poem about how I hate poetry, which was really great because they put some thought and effort into it. Um, Somebody brought a, a nursery rhyme and my husband of all people wrote a rap song that was so awful and hilarious that we were rolling out of our, our chairs during dinner and to, he still keeps it. And when people come over, he'll tell them, I wrote a rap song. Do you want to hear it? And we, no, <laughs> you know, nobody wants to hear it. Um, but so even when there's resistance, if you establish a track record and make it fun, it's not meant to be serious. So be flexible with your thoughts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and it, it sounds like that, I mean, just like with the rap song, some things that are, you know, laborious or whatever, bring the seeds for something that can be a long-term tradition. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it showed everybody's creativity. They could right. express their disdain for the concept and that was fine too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just along the poetry lines, have you ever heard of slam poetry? Yes. <laughs> that, that. You can, you can do a slam poetry night. What's that? Yep. I said you, you could do that for an evening's meal. Yeah. You could do a talk and rhyme only for a meal. I mean, there's so many easy things you can do that are silly that even if your family is reluctant to get involved, if you're sitting there talking in rhyme the whole time, A, they're going to look at you like you're an alien, but B, at some point, they're going to get snarky and talk that way back to you. Yeah, right, for sure. The, um, so 
for those of us who you you do meal planning and things like that because my mind goes to okay i have a hard time making the plan for what we're going to eat much less planning what we're going to do at the table as well it it seems like just one more added chore so i have a couple of uh ways i can help people who are in a similar situation i do two okay. things one i teach meal planning and the other thing that I do is I have a done for you meal plan program that I offer people where you get your meal plan done with your shopping list and your recipes. Mm -hmm. And I can accommodate a variety of dietary or food preferences, whether you're keto, whether you're low sugar, high protein, I can accommodate all that. So that's a really easy solution. It's done for you and you get those every week, those meal plans, grocery lists and um, recipes. The other thing that I do is when I, like I said, I meet my clients where they are. So if meal planning is something that I like to be spurred the moment or it's not that important to me, there's so many tricks you can do to make it easy for yourself. I don't believe that everybody has to devote their Sundays to meal planning for the week. That's not my style. I don't go that way. So I teach people who don't want to do something like that what they can do instead. Some of the tricks you can do are to batch cook. And batch cook means you make more of something than you need at any one given meal and reuse or repurpose it for another time during the week. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that. So my kids love a chicken tiki masala. And if you're pressed for time, you can use a tiki masala sauce from a place like Trader Joe's or your local grocery store. You don't have to make everything from scratch, but I make it with chicken tenders because they cook quickly. If you don't have chicken tenders, slice up your chicken breast. Then they'll also cook very tenderly and uh, quickly. And all you do is you're cooking it with onions, garlic, some ginger, brown your chicken, add the sauce, 10 minutes later, you're done. I mean in really, really quick dinner. But what I will do with that is I'll make a batch of rice and I make a double batch of rice. So once we eat it with that meal, and then I'll take my leftovers for another night during the week and I'll turn it into fried rice. And the secret with fried rice is you need day old rice. Boom, yeah. your meal's halfway done. If you have left roast chicken or shrimp or something that you have, put it on your fried rice, your meal is done. You have spent almost no time the second time around. Mm -hmm. So meal planning can be something as simple as what can I make in quantity that I can just use a little differently during the week. And I teach people what um, ingredients, what kind of dishes are really great to repurpose during the week. So not only are you cutting down on your cooking time overall, because it takes the same amount of time to cook one batch of rice as it does two. So you're cutting down your cooking time during the week and you're getting rid of that stress of, what do I have to cook another night? You know, because it, it's vexing. I mean, in all honesty, you know, you hate that five o'clock time when the kids say what's for dinner and, you know, shivers go up your spine. So yes. if you already batch cook something and you've learned what you can transform it into for another night, that can be the extent of your meal planning. Because if you know a couple of those things, you're really set. Hey, Marion Hobson here. Wanted to invite you to become a part of our part, fun and games. If you haven't, I want to make sure that you are a member of my Peaceful Rich Moms Facebook group. That is a way that you can see, learn about the activities we have going on. It, in October and November, you'll also see 
games where you can win prizes um, of various values. So make sure that you join the Peaceful Rich Moms group and like my Genius Moms page, which I'll talk again about another time. My husband um, likes to cook and likes to take two or three hours to cook one meal. Wow. Yeah, he wants to meticulously do every step exactly right. And you can't do that every night, especially when you have small kids and things like that. Yep. Um, you know, life going on and sports events and others. You, so he's very happy that he's at a phase of life where he can take the time on some days of the week, you know, to do that. But, but it wouldn't take that much more time for me to say, okay, this is the meal that you're planning that long period of time for. And we're going to have a little bit of that meal to, to throw into the next one for a night that I don't have to have three hours. Right. <laughs> I want to get right. it done in a minute again. Yeah. A, a, another quick thing. And, and, you know, I've, I've lived that after school activity life, which is just chaotic and time consuming. And I didn't want my kids to eat in the car going from one event to the next, because that defeats my understanding of what a dinner time should be on a, on a, a right. generally regular basis, because I realize it can't happen every night. But one thing that you can do if you're not big into meal planning by the day, you can do things like sheet pan dinners. And that is like, you can put your chicken pieces on a sheet pan, season them, figure out how long it takes to cook. You know, a thigh might take a little longer than a breast, whatever you have. And then as that is cooking, add your vegetables to the, the sheet pan for their amount of cooking time. And then you're done. You have the most easiest cleanup that you could possibly want. You have roasted vegetables. You have your protein. And if you wanted to batch cook it, make a double batch of your vegetables and a double batch of your chicken. That chicken you could use in tacos for chicken tacos one night, or you can use it in your fried rice. Again, it's still only cooking it once for the most part. Make those mm -hmm. extra roasted vegetables. That could be a that could be made in, into like um, a Buddha bowl, and mm -hmm. just put some a grain and your roasted vegetables and your leftover protein on that for another night with an interesting. You said them, but they're very very easy to make. So there's so many variations you can do that are so time efficient and really delicious and varied because. You know, if you have to look at the same leftovers three times a week, just shoot me. You know, it just gets tiring. And then, then your kids revolt because they don't want to see the same thing every night. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Linda, talk to us a little bit more about the importance of dinner time. You, you mentioned in that um, discussion that when the hectic, you know, after school activities and all of that were happening, you wanted to make sure that dinner time happened. So what what is dinner time to you and how do you make it happen? But mostly I wanna know why is it so important? Sure, you know, there are plenty of studies about the importance of dinner time. Most of them will tell you that when you have a sit down family meal and I'm going to expand it to any sit down family meal because I live in the real world and I know that people have different things at night. 
if you're working, you might have to be late at the office, you might have a business meeting, your kids might have an event at night, whatever. Schedules are all over the place. So I'm going to expand the concept of the importance of dinner time to the importance of a sit-down family meal. Okay. It could be a Sunday brunch. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be, you know, mornings while everybody's getting ready. But the importance of a sit-down family meal are multiple. Number one, it shows that kids do better in school just by virtue of sitting down and feeling like they're a part of a family. Hmm. It showed, the studies show that the kids are better communicators. It shows they're less likely to abuse illegal substances. Hmm. They're more social. It's a time where everybody can either let their hair down and finally relax and not have to wear the face that they have to wear, either at work, among their friends, in front of their teachers, but they get to be themselves. And there's so few times in our days and our lives where we actually get to think about who we are and who we want to be, that why wouldn't you want to encourage that period of time to spend with your family? You know, it's, it's, it's refreshing, it's invigorating, it's also a time to speak about feelings. You know, you can discuss your lows, your highs. And when, when I talk with my clients about dinner conversation, I try to avoid them saying, how was your day? What did you learn in school? Because the inevitable answer is one syllable, fine, good, or nothing. And you know, they've been going for eight hours, something had to happen. So yeah. I teach them conversation skills that are both fun and insightful. And if you're not in that confrontational, how was your day mode, even if you don't need to be confrontational, people are more apt to just be themselves and chat. And that's yeah. really the enjoyment of being a family comes in. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? I, you, you said, how was your day can be a confrontation mode. Talk right. more about that. Sure. Because, you know, particularly kids, when they come home, the last thing they want to do is talk about school for whatever reason. You know, they may have wins, they may have confrontations, they may have bullying, they may have peer pressure, who knows? You know, or, or they could have done fantastic. Odds are, if it was fantastic, that's the first thing they're going to tell you. Guess what I got on my test? Because that's, they're proud of themselves. Right. But if you're going to say, how was your day? Kids are tired at dinner time, just like we are. Mm -hmm. And th what happened in their day is probably distant thought at that point. They just want to get things done. And so one of the things I encourage is to make it fun to be at the table. Engage them in different ways. And one of the things that helps um, when you do this is that if you have, usually with younger kids, that they're reluctant eaters, I don't like to call picky because they get in their mind that they're picky and then they reinforce it. But if, or that they're like budding taste bud bloomers, you know, whatever you want to call them. But if you're doing something interesting at the table or enjoyable, they're less likely to resist the food that's in front of them because they're having fun. Mm. Hmm, what a great concept. What a great concept. I'm, I'm reviewing my, my interactions with my family, both, um, both my, you know, family of origin, my childhood and the years of growing, you know, as my children were growing and even my interactions last night, we had a family Zoom call and, um, you know, one of my one of the things that I am trying to work on is to get that just kind of more communicative family call instead of just 
let's review what's going on. So it's yeah. so it was, you know, it's intriguing to me that you would bring that up. But I I don't have your games yet. I'll have to find out more about that. <laughs> However, last night I just said, tell us something you learned, you know, something mm -hmm. you learned this week, right? And it was so funny to to listen to the different approaches of that, you know, and um, to to see how certain of them said what they what I realize is probably what they think I wanted to hear, right? And then my son, who is a chemical engineer, mm -hmm. studying chemical engineer, just pulls out this um, this description of how he's creating this system and I'm not going to describe it very well to you but so that he can study the flow and the pressure of the water going through these pipes and tubes and and he is going into all the technical mumbo jumbo of it you know and yet it's one of the few times that I've seen him like actually just talk about him instead of just what he thinks I want to hear and so it was. And you can really see the awesome. pleasure in him of what he's learning. You can yeah. actually see the joy of him learning something. Right, right, and and I think it's also symbolic about how I have improved my relationship with him, so that he could just be himself rather than saying what he thinks mom wants to hear. Yeah, it's a big difference, you know, and it just adds such an, a, a different dimension to your relationship. So. Yeah. You can do and work on that at any stage of, of your life and where your kids are. You know, I, I I grew up with a family where we played games as a little kid at the table. And then as I got older um, and I got to be more of a confrontational teen, we would um, talk about current events, but not in terms of, um, you know, this is what's happening in the news. We would role play that my dad was the epitome of the, the strict judge. And I had to be one of the advocates for a position of something that was happening in the news. And then mm -hmm. my mother was just like, you know, laughing and, and trying to be a, a, an innocent bystander. And my brothers would participate, but clearly it helped me on my road to being a lawyer. <laughs> as yeah, I was doing. But um, it was fascinating because now you're discussing other things, you know, not just what was in your day, but concepts. Mm -hmm. and world awareness, local awareness, whatever it was. And, you know, it always ended up with me saying, oh, that's an unfair ruling dad or whatever it was. But it was joyful as well as um, educational. There's so many things you can do. Yeah. Well, and two, I think one of the things I'm learning is that I don't have to know everything about their day and I don't have to give a judgment or uh, my input on everything that happened in their week as much as they need to know that I care, that I want to know mm -hmm. them, and that I am here to support them wherever they are. And that's a that's a weird mix that I'm trying to learn to re-navigate because the way it was navigated by my parents and is showing up now for me is not the way I really want to navigate it. So it's a it's a change that I'm trying to to make. But that's a great awareness on your part because you've got the awareness that you want to do something different. Yeah. And that's really, uh, and that's going to be in, in the back of your mind with whatever conversations you have with them because you have this, a new goal for the kind of relationship you want with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm trying to be patient with myself and them. <laughs> yeah. So there, 
it's well, a learning curve for everybody. You know, yeah. you don't always hit it out of the ballpark. You know, right. you just want to get up at bat sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. It's true. It, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, you know, because everybody is their own unique individual, and you've got to work with who you are and who they are. One of my children right now, I don't have a conversation with that particular child unless my husband's available. <laughs> you know, if Tommy's there, I can interact with that child pretty well, unless I just completely shut down and just listen, listen, which I can do. I just don't feel good about it. So if I want to say anything and have my opinion be heard, Tommy has to be there. <laughs> and that's need a mediator. What's that? Yeah. I said sometimes you need a mediator or just another presence to, yeah. to give you the confidence or the comfort to do what you need to say. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know, you 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 gotta learn what works for you. Yep. Yep. And and some people just want to be heard. And yep. and so I have to realize that that's what that particular person wants most from me, even though I want to give my opinion. And so right. that's, that's that actually helps. one of the that's one of the hardest things because it's natural to form a judgment and it's natural yeah. for you to want them to think the way you do sometimes, or how could you not realize this? It's so obvious, <laughs> you know, yes. whatever else those thoughts are that, that are like percolating in you. And the yeah. hardest part, and I learn this all the time because, you know, I see that with my son who's, who's growing into the man that he wants to be. And mm -hmm. we don't always see eye to eye and everything. And I'm a very forceful person when it comes to talking to somebody and uh i have to it's always a learning process of where you hold back and still yeah. add meaning yeah yeah because i think the the for me some of the biggest struggles as an adult has been breaking away from my parents mold mm -hmm. and saying i can be my own person i don't have to just be who they are and so giving them permission while still giving them guidance and, and I like some of the suggestions you made to, to find some games and just be casual and not always have to, as you said, confrontational, even though we don't observe it always as that's confrontational. Mm -hmm. it, it's just helping them to be more natural in their conversation with us rather than yeah. forced. And and you could even do, um, you could do a Zoom call for a game night if they're not near. And just say, you know what, I got an experiment I want to try. Mm -hmm. You know, and just find a really easy game to play and let everybody play. And it's a way of re um, retraining people on how they're going to be dealing with you, because now it's a different side of mom that they haven't seen. Yeah. You know, this isn't the mom who's saying, what'd you learn this week? It's like, hey, I just want to relax with you. Let's try this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that should be an interesting child <laughs> linda because i've never been really great at being the mom who just plays games <laughs> but but um, i'm not but there are games that you could have you know they have plenty of things you can find them online on uh, dinner conversation packs mm -hmm. and there's some that are very funny and there's some that are you know thought-provoking depending on the age of your family and who you want to play with and you could just say you know i just came across this I'm curious to see how it works. You mind playing three cards with me? Mm -hmm. You know, start off small. Yeah. You know, let them be your guinea pig. Say, you know, somebody brought this up that I was talking to on my podcast. My curiosity is peaked. You know, humor me. Right. 
That's like you know, it's a lot of yeah, it's, 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 there's a lot of ways where put the, put the focus on you, humor me. I know, like, like I did with Poetry Month, you know, I know it's not, but humor me. Right, right. See what happens. Yeah, we'll have to see, and I'll have to get back with you and report how, how that all worked out. <laughs> Gives us a subject for another podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. So, so Linda, um, Tell us a little bit about how people, how you work with people, because you've mentioned clients. Are you only strictly working with one-on-one, -on -one, or do you do groups? Or I'm in the process of making a group plan, a program on meal planning, but mm -hmm. right now um, I'm working one-on-one -on -one with my clients, mm -hmm. and a lot of them come to me because they're just overwhelmed with dinner, period, the dinner routine. So you can yep. break it down into, I don't even know what to have in my kitchen. My kitchen has got a ton of stuff that I don't know how to use. Mm -hmm. um, it's disorganized. Help me make it so my kitchen organized. So I'm not taking out the five containers of garlic I bought because I keep forgetting I have it. And I saw a recipe that needed one. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many yeah. things that, that people literally struggle with or just bog down their, their time. And so mm -hmm. part of it's time management, part of it's organization, part of it's I never learned how to cook. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an alien in my own kitchen. Some people say, I know exactly what I'm doing, but I don't have the time. Or some people say, I am so tired of everything I know. And I, I just need a different routine. And I learn, need to learn how to do more without spending more time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, hopefully we will um, be a part of helping you reach all of them. That would be great. I would love to help everybody. Awesome. Well, Linda, I want to thank you so much for being here and for some of the thoughts that you've shared. Um, I've gotten some some nuggets to work on, and hopefully they'll, they'll be applied very quickly. Um, what As we're leaving, I'd like to ask you to leave our listeners with something they can act on now, something they can do, an exercise or uh, action that they can take to be able to help their family dinners be more of a warm and fun place to be? Sure. I'd start with really believing that dinner doesn't have to be complex to be delicious and fun. Hmm. You know, oftentimes we put so much pressure on ourselves. It's got to be delicious or everybody's got to be happy with the same food, which rarely happens because everybody's got different tastes. So the first thing is think of your meal time holistically. You know, you want that overall experience to be a success. It doesn't mean that the broccoli's got to be cooked properly or that they're all eaten by the end of the meal. So redefine what's going to make you happy, what's going to make your family happy, what's going to bring that harmony, and most important, what's going to be creating memories. Because most of our memories are made upon holidays, special events, you know, weddings, births whatever, graduations, yeah. and all of those involve food. Mm -hmm. But if you could take that memory-making ability and apply it to your everyday life, hmm. think of what a rich life you and your family would have. Yeah. So my simple exercise is take a deep breath. Figure out what you want to get out of your family life, your meal time. You know, maybe you want to be the best nutrition-fed parent on the planet, and that's perfectly fine. But maybe you want to add a little something else besides just getting the nutrition into your family. Hmm. 
that is thought provoking. That's a great way to approach it. And, and thank you so much for being who you are and sharing your message. I, I hope it really gets spread that we can make those memories on a day-to-day -day basis. And I really appreciate that. All uh, right. It, it's my pleasure. I enjoyed okay. being here and get those memories going. It's important. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Marianne Hobson, and I invite you to subscribe, like, comment, and most importantly, share what you've learned with someone you know. The best way to lock it in is to teach someone else. So make sure that you share what you've learned, take action on an exercise or something that you've heard today, and come back to let us know how it's benefited your life and your family. Looking forward to hearing from you soon.